This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thank you very much for joining us. We start tonight with how dozens of protesters in Burnaby have been arrested today, some of them at the Kinder Morgan tank site. Now, the protesters had come back to the site to keep up the pressure against the expansion of the Trans Mountain pipeline. But those who support the project say that their views aren't the views of most Canadians. Nadia Stewart has our top story. Any other persons having notice of this order are hereby restrained and enjoined from coming within five metres of a defence line of... WMT. Police enforce an injunction aimed at protesters bent on disrupting work at the Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain site in Burnaby. Are you aware that you could be arrested for not leaving? And they say this is just the beginning. You know, we're sending a message to Justin Trudeau that Kinder Morgan is not in the national interest, um, you know, that he made a bad gamble by thinking that he could approve this pipeline early in his administration. Saturday's anti-pipeline demonstration, an escalation from last week's massive but peaceful rally. Thousands came out in opposition, but those in favour of the pipeline say the protesters don't represent the majority of Canadians. It's a small but obviously very vocal group that is working in tandem with the American foundations that are providing their strategy to seriously uh, downsize the Canadian energy industry. Judging by the heated debate, one might think this pipeline has British Columbians polarized. But a new survey by Abacus Data suggests both sides are being carefully weighed, leaving many in this province feeling torn. Most Canadians actually are pretty common sense when it comes to uh, doing energy shipping safely. They know that we can safely transport uh, Canadian energy products across the water. Regardless of which side British Columbians or Canadians find themselves on, the debate will continue to be a passionate one. Starting today, we're going to be here day after day after day until this project is stopped. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And neither side is showing any signs of relenting. Nadia Stewart, Global News. An emotional weekend for a mother from Alberta who's been in B.C. ever since her son vanished without a trace last month. Ryan Stuka left a house party at Sun Peaks Resort near Kamloops exactly a month ago, but he hasn't been seen since. Today, it is Ryan's 21st birthday. And as Kristen Robinson reports, his mother isn't giving up hope. A huge push on Sun Peaks. Up to 70 volunteers probing for any clues one month after Ryan Stuka vanished without a trace. Maybe um, hard to believe that he could still be on the hill. I, I get that. Uh, but I'm, we're just so grateful that people still believe and still want to come and help us search. 20-year-old Ryan Stuka, originally from Beaumont, Alberta, was last seen leaving a house party at the resort near Kamloops in the early morning hours of February 17th. It's frustrating. <laughs> It's, it's like he just fell off the face of the earth. Stuka was believed to be walking home just a short distance away, but he hasn't been seen since. Police say his cell phone has not been used since he disappeared. It's overwhelming for us. I mean, it's, it's a month, and so I don't think we ever thought we'd be here a month from now. When an exhaustive search and rescue effort turned up nothing, friends and family didn't give up. Now an army of volunteers is hoping to solve the mystery for Stuka's family. Just get more people to uh, put their hearts out there. Bring this boy home to their mom and dad. I know that's why I'm here. 
if it was my son, that's my son there, and his name is Ryan too, so it kind of hits a chord. On Stuka's 21st birthday, a cake waiting in his honor. His mother wishing he could join her for the celebration, not willing to let go of her son yet. I keep thinking I just, I don't have, um, I don't have time to, to lie on the floor and curl up in a ball. That may come later for sure. But if we don't advocate for Ryan, who's going to go out searching for him each day? If I don't show the strength and my husband doesn't show the determination, who's going to do it on our behalf? So we just get up and we do what we need to do because he needs to be found. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And on Vancouver Island, it's a year today to when a teenage girl went missing. She was found murdered two months later. What happened to 16-year-old Michaela Chang and how she was killed still remains a mystery. The teen was last seen in Nanaimo last St. Patrick's Day. She had been living with 53-year-old Stephen Bacon in South Nanaimo. An alert was issued for both of them, but last April, the RCMP saying Bacon had been found, and after they spoke to him, he was no longer being sought by investigators. There was a search of a home and a local park before police then confirmed Chang's body was found on May the 18th. They never said, though, where she was found. Her death deemed a homicide. Now, the equipment and gear search and rescue crews use to save lives is vital to what they do. So you can imagine how they felt at Kent Harrison's search and rescue when they found out someone had stolen their boat last night. It had been found dumped and damaged. It's not the first time, though, the SAR team has been targeted by thieves. Jill Bennett has the story. It's responded to hundreds of search and rescue calls on Harrison Lake. Neil Brewer has a special connection with the spirit of Harrison. He was responsible for bringing the boat to the Kent Harrison search and rescue team 25 years ago. On Friday night, thieves broke through the gates at the SAR compound and stole the boat and trailer. They had stolen it with the mast up. Um, which put it to about 18 or 19 feet high. So we knew that uh, at some point there would be debris somewhere because the first bridge they went under, more than likely the, the mass would be sheared off. It appears that's exactly what happened. Pieces of the mast were found scattered along the side of Highway 1. They were actually found by another member of the search and rescue team. Ironically, he picked those pieces up and reported them on a chat site on Facebook saying that has anybody lost pieces of a mast from a boat? Not realizing they were actually from the search and rescue boat. The attention on social media took off and was instrumental in finding the stolen boat. Good old Facebook social media. Uh, it was posted, uh, I posted it myself on a, on a public page and I also asked the BC Search and Rescue Association to post it and I think that created most of the shares. My understanding this, mor this morning was the estimated reach was about 80,000 people. This photo, taken from a passing car, was posted Saturday morning. The boat was then recovered from this field along Keith Wilson Road in Chilliwack. Except for the broken mast, the damage appeared minimal. The spirit of Harrison was taken out of service last September, but before that was involved in hundreds of searches and rescues on Harrison Lake. Although this was the biggest hit, it's the third time the search and rescue team has been robbed. And it's a sad reflection on society that people would steal assets that are obviously used for life-saving. The boat is now back behind locked gates. The search crew looking at beefing up security. Jill Bennett, Global News, Agassiz. A suspect is now facing charges in connection with a fire that burned down a popular hockey shop last year. 
Last December, the RCMP released these surveillance images of two suspects in the September of 2017 arson at Surrey's hockey shop source for sports. 22-year-old James Marvin Haslam has been charged now with one count of arson damaging property. He's in custody for a bail hearing later this month. The business was destroyed in what investigators said was a deliberately set fire. No one was hurt, but the store had to move location. So far, no word on a possible motive for the arson. More rental homes will soon be coming to Coquitlam. A groundbreaking ceremony was held this morning for a new apartment building in the Austin Heights neighbourhood. When construction is complete, which will be in August of 2019, 41 new units will be rented out. The project was approved under the city of Coquitlam's new housing affordability strategy. It is the city's first purpose-built rental housing in 40 years. For a number of reasons, economically, market rental housing wasn't being built. It just they, we couldn't uh, developers couldn't make it work. Being able to bring market rental back in and see some actual market rental development is vitally important. As our current stock is all 40 and 50 and sometimes 60 years old. Decades ago, there were some tax incentives for developers to produce rental housing. Those disappeared, and in the meantime, the zoning bylaws have been more favorable towards developing condominiums. More recently, some cities such as Coquitlam, we've seen it in Vancouver and New Westminster, have offered flexibility from the zoning bylaws to accommodate the unique needs of rental housing so that rental developers can economically justify building rental housing. A second chance at life for an injured bald eagle found in Squamish just a few days ago. Now, the bird was found with a broken wing near Squamish on Wednesday. Conservation officers were able to capture it and take it to a wildlife rehab centre in Delta, but the prognosis isn't good. The vets are saying it has a broken wing. Uh, That is a serious fracture. Despite the long road ahead, though, they hope that they can still save the bird. And a save for conservation officers in the East Kootenay. They recently came across two deer in Cranbrook and realised one was in trouble. The doe had a garbage can lid wrapped around her neck. Now officers had to sedate her to remove it. After 25 minutes, the doe was up and about and back with her two fawns. And a BC man has been slapped with an $8,000 fine for hunting and killing a female grizzly bear during a close season. It happened near Powell River in September of 2016. Martin Allen Chalopiak, who turns 30 this year, used a bow and arrow to kill the bear, seen here in 2010. He was ordered to pay a dollar fine and donate $8,000 to the Habitat Conservation Trust Foundation. Now, if you have a pet and you're celebrating Easter in a few weeks, you'll want to take some precautions to make sure they don't don't end up at the vet's office. Some popular household Easter plants apparently could make your animals very sick. Shelby Tom of Global Okanagan has the story. Kiki the cat is recovering at home with her owner, Jackie Champion, after knocking on death's door. A few days ago, Kiki ingested the leaves of this popular Easter plant, brought home from a store by Champion's roommate. She goes from being a healthy cat to all, you know, a life and death situation from eating a plant. It's a hybrid lily, highly poisonous to cats as consumption can cause acute kidney failure. She was, um, she was almost a little, um, she was lethargic. And she started kind of foaming, you know, getting a little bit foaming at the mouth. Kiki was rushed into overnight emergency veterinary care. It came on so fast. Vomiting was induced and IVs were administered to pump her small body with fluids. 
It was so traumatic. The vet bill's expected to exceed $1,000. Champion is warning others ahead of the Easter holiday to be aware of the threat this common plant can pose. I just don't want this to happen to another family because I, I think that there should actually be warnings on these plants, just like the Tide Pods. So many people don't know that that plant is lethal to cats. Hybrid lilies aren't the only common household plant that can be toxic if ingested by your pets. Lily, ivy, uh, tulip, um, we have spinach, we have uh, cannabis, the flower itself, um, daffodil. As for warning labels, this Okanagan veterinarian says countless household items can pose danger to pets. It can be endless of uh, things that uh, dogs and cats are not allowed to eat and to, uh, or to drink. Even onions, it's not allowed for dogs uh, and cats to eat. So we cannot really put a label on each and every onion. I think it's more about education. Education, the champion and her roommate hope will save other pets by sharing their ordeal. If this saves one cat, it's worth, worthwhile. Shelby Tom, Global News, West Kelowna. All right, still ahead tonight, the search for a 10-year-old boy in Montreal who has been missing for nearly a week now. Fears that he may have been kidnapped. And, of course, how, we can, how can we forget today's big celebration and going green for St. Patrick's Day? But what is it all really about and how many understand? On more than 100,000 people lining the streets of New York's Fifth Avenue today to watch the world's biggest and oldest St. Patrick's Day parade. Dancers and marching bands among the highlights of the Big Apple's 257th annual St. Patrick's Day parade. Over to Chicago, where they colored the river green today, the tradition dating back to 1962 when a plumber suggested using a commonly used dye to change the color. Now nearly 20 kilograms of environmentally safe dye is added to the river by boat. That event is followed by a big parade too. And famous landmarks literally turning green today. Some of the sites that got our attention, the Great Wall of China, Niagara Falls. Well, I'm trying to go in order here, but stay with me. Niagara Falls, Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, which you just saw, and Rome's Colosseum in Italy. Which isn't that, of course. And on a royal note, Prince William and his wife Catherine braving pretty bad weather to attend a St. Patrick's Day parade at a military barracks in London. The Duchess of Cambridge presented Springs of Shamrock to members of the 1st Battalion of the Irish Guards. Afterwards, the couple spending some time with the troops at their hall. Uh, the Prince was sipping, of course, on a good old pint of Guinness. The Duchess, who of course is due to give birth next month, just had water. Lots of people here in British Columbia also celebrating today. With St. Patrick's Day falling on a Saturday this year, local pubs and watering holes will no doubt be packed tonight. But how many know how, who St. Patrick was and what today is really all about? Our Paul Johnson went to find out. A bagpipe charge into Vancouver's Blarney Stone pub. A row of perfectly poured Guinness. A sea of smiling beauties can only mean one thing. (laughs) 
It's St. Patrick's Day in Vancouver, and the party is on. No surprise that in a diverse, multicultural city, you'd find plenty of people excited to observe an ancient ritual from a foreign land, especially one that involves beer and whiskey. But how much do Vancouverites actually know about the Catholic saint they're invoking? We went to find out. Who was St. Patrick? He, he was actually, uh, he was a saint in uh, Ireland who... You should know this. <laughs> what years did St. Patrick live? Ooh. Oh. The years that Jameson was invented. I don't know. About the, in, the Jame, in the Jameson era. In the Jameson era, era yes. What did St. Patrick do to become a legendary figure in history? I don't know. <laughs> but we shouldn't be too hard on the St. Patrick's adherents of Vancouver. By this late on a festive day, you might not do much better in Dublin. My parents met here? There was this fellow who thinks he might actually have been conceived after a big night in the Blarney Stone. And that's not the only history he's up on. A lot of people don't know that St. Patrick actually was not Irish. He was English. But he came to Ireland, he, he brought Christianity to Ireland, he rid the snakes of Ireland. That's St. That's Patrick's Day. Indeed it is. Paul Johnson, Global News. I'm quite proud of that. He was English. Yes, yeah. well, it's more, I guess it is more than about the beer. Mm, it's yeah. still a lot about the beer. <laughs> it's a lot about the beer, a, yeah. it's other things. Yeah, I wonder how tipsy you are watching us right now, depending on how early you started. But <laughs> at least the weather's good. There might be people sitting outside watching. Yeah, it's fantastic. And if you're planning on heading out this evening, uh, your forecast temperatures will be sitting anywhere between 5 and 8 degrees. And it's going to be dry right for the <laughs> evening hours. That's our graphic for St. Patrick's Day and the forecast. So it's just like a few clouds out there. <laughs> sort of. Happy dance from the leprechaun. <laughs> Here's what we are still seeing. We're still tracking some instability, and that's right across the island. We've seen some lightning strikes for the afternoon. Early evening, we're still seeing it along the mountains. That'll start to dissipate. It'll be much calmer for tomorrow, but we will be seeing some cloud cover. I'll have more on that, and when we'll start to see the return for some wet weather. But it is a few days out, so I'll have that coming up. All right, good stuff. But Chanel probably is somewhere wasted right now. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrating well, it early. is Saturday. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, no, not on a regular weekend. No, <laughs> uh, the the uh, Whitecaps may uh, want to drown their sorrows tonight because uh, things aren't going so well down there in Atlanta. The Whitecaps had won their first two, so they were excited about maybe getting off to their best start ever. But uh, it's not going to happen. Down 3-0 late in the second half. So we'll show you what happened. They got off to a bad start and really... Didn't get much better than that. So all right, all right. All of that. Other than that, good news. I've I've got nothing. Oh uh, no! Well, you got a great haircut. We like. That. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> all right. Also coming up, an accidental gold rush. How a cargo plane ended up leaving more than three hundred million dollars worth of gold on the runway. Ahead of that, new details about Florida's deadly bridge collapse. More victims and vehicles are being pulled from the rubble. Welcome back. Well, in Montreal, a major search is going on for a missing 10-year-old boy. The boy was last seen on Monday afternoon after leaving his home to walk to a friend's house. The family, now desperate for some news, believe that he was abducted. On Saturday morning, people came from far and wide. People that never met him, never know him, never met his parents, they're here to help. 
Around 100 people gathered at the command post at Galerie Normandie to look for 10-year-old Ariel Jeffrey Kuaku. His parents announced a $10,000 reward for anyone who has information about their son's disappearance. Please help us. Please, we want our kids. Please, we want our son, Ariel. We miss him so much. Five long, five long nights without sleep. Can you imagine that? Together, family and members of the community retraced the steps of the missing boy. They started at Ariel's home and walked along Gwain Boulevard towards the home of Ariel's friend. Family members say they believe Ariel is alive and was abducted. Somebody, somewhere. Somebody ought to see uh, I've seen something. It's impossible. That, that day, no one saw something here. That's impossible. Montreal police say they're considering all possible scenarios, including kidnapping. They plan to continue their search operation as the investigation continues. We continued the work that we started yesterday, so we're just fi- we're gonna finish the door to door, and we're gonna finish to clear all the backyard of some house we didn't have the time to do yesterday. As for the volunteers helping with the search, many say they won't give up either. We all have our own Ariel at home and we all worry about our children, what's going to happen to them, if this is ever going to happen again. So it's very important to show that we all unite together. They're hopeful that together they'll bring back Ariel. Felicia Perillo, Global News, Cartierville. More chaos in the Trump administration with another controversial firing. Late last night, U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced that former FBI Director Andrew McCabe had been fired. This is just two days before he was set to retire. McCabe said that his firing is part of a larger effort to discredit the FBI. The sacking just ahead of a report on the Hillary Clinton email investigation. It is expected to conclude that McCabe released information to the media. President Donald Trump posted a tweet celebrating the firing, calling it, quote, a great day for democracy. Of course, there are other measures. We stand ready to... Russia has retaliated in the growing diplomatic dispute with the UK, expelling 23 British diplomats from its soil. All will be forced to leave within a week. This, of course, coming in the wake of an investigation over the nerve agent attack on a former Russian spy in England. This week, British Prime Minister Theresa May expelled Russian diplomats and severed high-level contacts over the poisoning. In Miami, more vehicles and more victims removed today from the site of that deadly bridge collapse. It's coming as new details emerge about a crack in the bridge, a crack that was discussed just before the pedestrian walkway came down on a highway. Painstaking and painful, a meticulous recovery process is underway near Miami. It's going to be a long process because the amount of weight and and the size of the of the uh, structure that is lay, laying on top of these vehicles. This morning, two more vehicles pulled from the rubble. Inside, three victims. This is already a difficult tragedy. We want to make sure we've been taking a moment of silence every time we recover one of those vehicles. And now, new details are emerging about possible problems with the bridge before it came down. Late Friday night, the Florida Department of Transportation released a voicemail an employee received from one of the bridge engineers. 
two days before the collapse. I was calling to uh, share with you some information about the FIU pedestrian bridge and some cracking that's been observed on the north end of the span. He goes on to say the cracks don't appear to be a safety issue. The engineering company, FIG, responded to the release of that voicemail, saying, quote, the evaluation was based on the best available information at that time and indicated that there were no safety issues. FIG and the company building the bridge met with Florida International University and state transportation officials on Thursday morning, just hours before the bridge collapsed. Today, the university says the company told them the crack did not compromise the structural integrity of the bridge. For the uncle of 18-year-old Alexa Duran, who died in the collapse, anger that more wasn't done. Well, I want to see some people say, hey, the buck stops with me. I started this. I'm the one who should have stopped it when I heard about the cracks. Cracks in a bridge that's now shattered so many families. Maya Rodriguez, NBC News, Miami. In other news uh, tonight, the hatch of a cargo plane accidentally flew open this week after takeoff from Russia, dropping more than 6,000 pounds of gold on the runway. A local newspaper reported the value of the gold, platinum and diamonds on board the aircraft was totaling $368 million. 172 gold bars were later recovered from the area. The plane landed at an airfield about seven miles from where it took off. In health matters tonight, more kids and teens are being exposed to ads for tobacco products, including e-cigarettes. Government researchers in the U.S. have found that nearly four in five young people saw adverts for e-cigarettes in 2016. That is a 13 percent increase from two years before. More saw the ads. Most of them saw the ads in a retail store, on the Internet or on the TV. Studies show that young people exposed to e-cigarette ads are more likely to use the devices. All right, it's been a fantastically sunny day today. Our meteorologist Yvonne Schall has a detailed look at your forecast coming up next. Plus, our powerful storm has slammed into northern Australia, causing widespread damage. Welcome back. Well, in northern Australia, more than 26,000 people are without power and water after tropical cyclone Marcus came slamming through. Strong winds in excess of 128 kilometres an hour, bringing down trees and power lines. People are being told to stay indoors and avoid using the roads until the debris is cleared up. The Category 2 cyclone has been downgraded to Category 1 and is tracking southwest now towards Western Australia. The weather couldn't be more different here, Yvonne. It's been calm, it's been sunny, it's been lovely. It's been beautiful, yes. And it is our last weekend officially in winter. We're welcoming spring uh, early next week, and I'll have more on that in just a moment. Here's a look at our current tower cam shot. We're going to see more cloud cover for the evening hours and a slight chance for an isolated shower by the early morning. But for the most part, another beautiful day will be on tap for tomorrow, but we'll be underneath more cloud cover. Temperatures are sitting at 8 with the northwesterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. Many areas saw highs of 11 if you were by the water. Inland sections today up to 14 degrees. We were close to the average of 11 and a record of 14 was set back in 1995. Official sunset this evening will be at 7.20. A very happy birthday to Amy Waldron from Burnaby celebrating 105. Happy birthday to Patricia Otter from Vancouver celebrating 100. And happy anniversary and congratulations to Bert and Helen Murray from Nanaimo celebrating 70 years. So Congratulations to you all and hope you're having a wonderful day. 
Back to the forecast and a few of the other numbers across the province today. Double digits into the interior sections of Soyuz up to 14 degrees. Central interior for Prince George at 6 in areas near the coast at 6 for Prince Rupert. Victoria today also saw the double digits up to 10 degrees. A look at your current temperatures along the North Shore Mountains at 9 Coquitlam currently sitting at 8 degrees, Pitt Meadows at 11, inland for Langley at 11 degrees, and areas near Hope with your current temperature at 12, and your current temperature at 12 for areas near Chilliwack. Williams Lake, it is cooling off. Temperatures already sitting at 2, Revelstoke at 8, and the Peace currently sitting at 3 degrees. We still have some instability, and it's really across the eastern sections of the island for Nanaimo. Still tracking some rainfall. It is going to taper off, but you'll still hang on to that cloud cover. And along the North Shore Mountains or near Coquitlam and Pitt Meadows, we could still see the potential or the risk of a thunderstorm, and then it'll ease off as we get in towards the evening hours. One area across the province for the rocky southeastern corners, especially for the Columbia tomorrow, we could see a few isolated flurries and then changing over to chance of showers, but most areas across the province tomorrow will be into dry conditions, sunshine for the peace into the northeastern corners, and bumping up temperatures for Monday, Tuesday with even highs of 7 and 8 degrees. Whitehorse cloud cover over the next few days, snow returning for your Tuesday and dipping down to minus four. Coastal sections will continue to see a nice break for tomorrow. More breaks in the cloud by the afternoon and then Monday, Tuesday, showers and rain start to develop once again. Caribou and central interior mix of sun and cloud up to seven degrees. Columbia region especially for the overnight and early morning hours. A chance to see some isolated flurries and then it'll change over to a chance of showers. Double digits with a high of ten degrees. The tops in Okanagan a mainly cloudy sky with nine. Whistler will still see a forty percent chance for a shower and across the island will hang on to a fair bit of cloud cover metro vancouver and much of the south coast tomorrow more breaks will be for the afternoon hours monday cloud cover first day of spring on tuesday so far looking at sunshine and bumping up to 12 degrees sonia great stuff thanks very much for that yvonne all right a calgary man who paid a high price for pulling off a stunt involving a flying lawn chair um, doesn't really seem to be that put off from carrying out other stunts. Daniel Boria, also known as the Balloon Man, after he was charged three years ago for flying over the stampede grounds. He's now performed the stunt again, just in a different place, and he says this time it is perfectly legal. So this is the chair that I flew in. My GoPro is facing right here. Daniel Boria isn't showing off his patio furniture. This lawn chair was registered as an aircraft. Call him balloonatic or call him crazy. Boria is best known for flying a lawn chair rigged with balloons over the stampede grounds in 2015. Two, one, go! His stunt broke the law and Boria paid over $26,000 in fines. But it didn't stall his attempt to fly again, this time over New Mexico, to record an infomercial for his cleaning company. For the first two or three minutes, basically took a look at my entire life and asked myself, where have I gone wrong? Held on for dear life. He claims this time he avoided a public area and reserved airspace over New Mexico. But due to equipment failure, he couldn't gauge exactly how high he was flying. Borja thinks he was a few thousand feet above ground when balloons started popping. I noticed the chair started coming down. I had no idea if I was high enough to pull the parachute or not. So I ended up riding the chair down into the desert. Hot air balloon pilot Del Michaud says the lawn chair is unusual, but cluster balloon rides have been done before, safely. It's safe to fly a cluster balloon, uh, and it's also safe to fly a hot air balloon, but you should be taught how to do it. If you just take it out and do it on your own, then it's dangerous. 
If you are taught properly, it's not. Boria says the idea of a lawn chair is hilarious, but aviation safety experts aren't laughing. Transport Canada responded by saying flying any man or unmanned air vehicle, including one powered by balloons in a built-up area and close to people, power lines and other air traffic is extremely dangerous, adding it can lead to fines and jail time. Could I get an amen? Boria isn't facing charges after his New Mexico stunt and says it was all worth going where no lawn chair has gone before. You could get hit by a car tomorrow. And, and I'd rather do these things and take the risk. He's now planning a more elaborate flight with the proper approvals, taking off from somewhere in Alberta. Bindusuri, Global News. Mm. All right, Barry is next with news of the Whitecaps. They're on the road today, facing off against Atlanta. Also, uh, the cauldron at Jackpool Plaza is lit again. And if you're wondering why, it's because the 2018 Paralympic Games are coming to an end. So we'll have more on that too. Three, two, one. Isn't that a great sight? Vancouver's Olympic cauldron in Jackpool Plaza, burning bright tonight. Uh, this is to celebrate Team Canada's Olympic and Paralympic accomplishments in Pyeongchang. Our Olympic team, of course, uh, bringing home 29 medals from the 2018 Winter Games. Our Paralympic athletes already achieved their hardware goals, of course, as, as the Games wind down this weekend. It's always nice when that's yeah, lit we're, up. We're going to have some highlights of some BC athletes who uh, got some medals at the Paralympics. Canada's at oh. 24 right now, tied with... I guess Russia behind the U.S., but yeah, they've done real well. That's brilliant, isn't it? Something to be proud of. Yeah, superb job. They train hard. All right, we're going to start with soccer, though, uh, Sonia. The Whitecaps uh, had an opportunity to get off to their best start ever this season uh, tonight in Atlanta. Whitecaps have a 2-1 uh, victories at home over Montreal and on the road in Houston. Atlanta, they're just a second-year team, but they made the playoffs in their expansion season, and they're a dynamic, exciting club that fills the net. And they'll certainly be a test for the Whitecaps' defensive structure. Match just ended. Let's go to the highlights. Kai Kamara, not in the Whitecaps lineup, was nursing a sore groin this week. Big crowds always at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta and some controversy to start or some controversy, as uh, Sonia may say the odd time. Great save by the Whitecap keeper, but the referee went to video review because one of the players went down. They say Kendall Waston elbowed him down. Now, it's really hard to see by the limited replays we get, but apparently enough for this referee to not only award a penalty, but to red card Waston, who is very irate and upset. So it's a double whammy. Waston's out. They're down to 10, and they score from the penalty spot. Joseph Martinez makes it 1-0 Atlanta. Second half. Atlanta really came hard at Vancouver. In fairness, the Whitecaps were on their heels from the very beginning, and this doesn't help. The cross is helped into the goal by a Whitecap, Aaron Mond. Friendly fire. It's an own goal. 2-0 Atlanta, and they're back for more. Joseph Martinez, who scored on the penalty kick, scores on the breakaway. Whitecaps electing to go ahead to try to score, which is great, but exposed them at the back. That made it 3-0. Vancouver did get one back in the 85th. How about Eric Hurtado on that long ball? Takes it and then knocks it in. He's done this before in his career, so that's a bright moment, at least for the Caps. Atlanta scored another 4-1 the final. Whitecaps dropped to 2-1. and one. They return home next Saturday to play the L.A. Galaxy. FA Cup quarterfinals from a very snowy Old Trafford, but the Blizzard did stop. Early in the match, first half, United strike first. It's uh, Romelu Lukaku on the business end of this wonderful 
cross from Nemanja Matic, 1-0 United at the half. And they get the insurance marker in the 83rd off the set piece. This time, Ashley Young provides the service. It's Matic who nods it in. And United are on their way to the FA Cup semifinals after a 2-0 win over Brighton and Hove Albion. Also today in the quarters, Tottenham at Swansea. Spurs, of course, without Harry Kane for at least another month with an ankle injury. Didn't miss him much, though. Christian Eriksen scoring the first of his two. A ripper to the top corner. Spurs scored a couple long-distance beauties. Eric Lamela with a cracker of his own. Tottenham shuts out Swansea 3-0. Spurs FA Cup semi-final bound as they try to win their first trophy in 10 years. EPL action, Liverpool and Watford. Reds with a chance to hop over Spurs into third. Mohamed Salah had himself a day. Started early, fourth minute. Ties up the defender in knots. Fires home his 25th EPL goal this year, one more than the injured Harry Kane. Sala just getting started. 42nd minute, finishes with ease on the low cross. 2-0 Liverpool at the half. After Sala set up the third goal, he nets his hat-trick. And it's more incredible footwork. Just won't be denied. Very messy-like. 4-0 Liverpool. And then some icing on the cake after he watched this one one more time. It's a fourth for Salah, hammering in a rebound, his 28th EPL goal, 36th overall this season for Liverpool. Amazing performance by Salah. Four goals, one assist, five new, a nil Liverpool in a rout. The Canucks have a brief appearance at home tonight, then hit the road again for four. They welcome another team in a playoff dogfight. The San Jose Sharks second in the Pacific with 87 points. Chris Tanev returns to the lineup after missing five weeks of the small fracture in his leg. Tanev's had four different injuries this year that have cost him 33 games. NHL Today, Oilers trying to put a crimp in Florida's playoff plans. Second period, one nothing Panthers until the Nuge. Scores his 20th pass, Roberto Luongo, who probably should have had that one. 1-1, third period, Oilers down 2-1. But Connor McDavid, quick little turnaround here, surprising Luongo, who was screened on the play. Number 34 for McDavid, ties it up 2-2. And then later in the period, Adam Larson from a very sharp angle. Ty Ratty was in front, but it went in off Luongo's pad, so it's Larson's goal. Oilers playing spoilers. 4-2 the final over the Panthers. Still to come, Tiger Woods tries to stay close to the leaders at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And Milos Raonic is playing his best tennis of the year. Could he make it to the finals at Indian Wells? We'll tell you when we come back. Welcome back. We haven't heard a lot from Milos Raonic in a while. Denis Shapovalov has kind of taken over as Canada's most popular male tennis player. Milos has been silent, mostly because of a rash of injuries. The big man's had trouble staying healthy his entire career and a lot lately. He's also changed coaches a number of times in the last year. But finally, he has got some traction this week at Indian Wells, maybe the most prestigious tournament other than the Grand Slams. Today, Milos in the semifinals against Argentina's Juan Martín del Potro. Raonic has beaten Del Potro in two of their previous three matches, so sounds like a good matchup, and Milos got off to a nice start. Holds his first service game, crushing the forehand winner, but Del Potro is also in fine form. He breaks Milos at love in uh, Raonic's next service game. 
And he would cruise to the first set, 6-2. Del Potro got another break early in the second, and he was never really pushed by Raonic. Del Potro controlled the match start to finish. Another big backhand winner. Del Potro in straight sets, 6-2, 6-3. He'll meet top seed Roger Federer in tomorrow's final. Women's World Curling Championship from North Bay, Ontario, Canada, represented by Jennifer Jones, who's won a gold, a silver, and a bronze in five previous world's appearances, taking on the Czech Republic in the opener. And uh, here's a good way to start, a little split for four. So Canada jumping out to the big lead 4 nothing, and then later in the game, they get another four spot. Again, Jones executing the takeout nicely, removes the uh, Czech stone cleanly there. 11-5, Canada rolls to a win in its opener, and they lead Switzerland 7-4 in the ninth in their night match. Third round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Tiger Woods has won this tournament eight times, but he is a ways back of the leader, Henrik Stenson. The Swede rolls in a 30-footer on the ninth. Stenson just one under on the day, but he does have the lead at 12 under, one better than Bryson DeChambeau. Rory McIlroy playing his best golf in a while. Second shot on the par five. This is from 238 yards, smashes it to eight and a half feet. And Rory would make that eagle putt, so he is just two off the lead at 10 under. Tiger Woods, though, still lurking on 18. Tiger with a strong finish. Knocks down the birdie to get to 7 under par. Tied for 10th, just five shots back. Final round right here on Global tomorrow at 1230. NCAA March Madness. Gonzaga out of Spokane, Washington, taking on Ohio State. Gonzaga's always had a lot of B.C. and Canadian players, so a lot of fans here in our province, and they got off to a great start. Rui Hashimura made it 15-0 Bulldogs out of the gate, but Ohio State has roared back. It's a close game. Cam Williams cut the lead to one, and her updated score is Ohio State 60-58 right now late in the second half. Final day of the Paralympic Winter Games. What a performance by BC athletes. That's Natalie Wilkie, 17-year-old from Salmon Arm. A day to remember in the women's 7.5K standing classic ski race. Facing alongside fellow BC athlete Emily Young of North Vancouver. And a tremendous ski from both athletes as... Wilkie, who uh, lost four fingers in her left hand during a woodshop accident in high school just a couple of years ago, delivered a gold medal winning performance. And Young, not too far behind, she wins the bronze. So two medals for Canada in this event, both here from B.C. Isn't that a great sight? Joy, happiness, and also Canada's sledge hockey team will play for gold against the U.S. in about an hour. That's it for sports. We're back after this. Here's a look at your snow report. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 296, Grouse 420, Cypress 410, and Sasquatch 384. Revelstoke with a base of 257 centimeters, Manning Park 208, Powder King 269, and Mount Washington 224. Big White with a base of 304, Silver Star 257, Sun Peaks 234, and Apex 279. All right. Um, signs of the Irish spotted everywhere this St. Patrick's Day, of course. We've spoken a lot about the beer, but now it is a, a time for the dogs. A group of Irish wolfhounds from Crofton and North Saanich on the island met at uh, Butchart Gardens to celebrate St. Patrick's Day and spring's arrival next week, of course. Um, these guys, between the ages of one and three. Now, the Irish wolfhound is the tallest breed of dog, the earliest breed going back to 7,000 BC. Um, just in case you want to know, they were originally 
only bred to hunt wolves and only kept by Irish nobility. Uh, the breed is known as gentle giants and they are the official mascot of the Irish guards. They're huge, aren't they? They are big. Yeah. Our Lynn Collier has one. She does. Yeah. She does, and she was posting some photos today, and it happens to be Declan's birthday, so. As well? Yes, so it's very Irish. Oh, perfect, perfect. I have great memories of being in Dublin on St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) I have no photos, which is good. People are wondering why we're not wearing green. Yeah. With today's technology and green scheme, we we would disappear. We're not allowed. We feel in green, but we're not wearing the green. Happy St. Patrick's Day (laughs) to all of you. Have a pint of Guinness and enjoy. (laughs)